Governments are no longer denying it. The military are no longer denying it. And even mainstream media no longer denies it. They're here and have been here for a very long time. The Mutual UFO Network has been on the front lines uncovering the truth since 1969. And now we're sharing the truth with you. Welcome to MUFON's What's Up with hosts Katie Grabowski, Christopher DiPerno, and Katie Cook, exclusively on the KGRA Digital Broadcasting Network. Wondering what's up? So are we. What's up? It is Tuesday night and you're listening to MUFON What's Up Radio, the show that says discovery starts with curiosity and curiosity starts with MUFON, brought to you by KGRADB.com. I hope you go to their website and like and subscribe for awesome great content that they have out there. Keeps you busy for hours and hours. I always like going to sleep listening to their shows. Um, I'm your host, Katie Gerboski, the Colorado MUFON State Director and the Mars Administrator. As always, we're endorsed by MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, always asking that all-important question, are we alone in the universe? Um, this week, I want to remind everybody to make sure they go and register for the 2022 to MUFON Symposium. The International Symposium is going to be right here in Denver. And my feature this week is Earl Gray, Earl Gray Anderson, who, by the way, will be our guest next week. I'm super excited to have him on. He will be um, leading two experiencer sessions, one on the reality of contact and another one on experiencers speak. Um, so I hope that you can join us out there in Denver. We have an amazing guest for you tonight. We have Martin Willis. I am so excited to get him on here in a little bit. He has so much uh, UFO information from his podcast, UFO, that he does also here on KGRADB.com, actually Tuesday night right before us. So welcome to all those guests who are visiting us from Martin's show. So hang in there. We'll get him on shortly. First, I'd like to introduce my co-host. We have Katie Cook. You've seen her on country music television for almost 20 years, and she loves all things UFO and paranormal. Welcome, Katie. It's good to be back. Ah, it's so good to have you back. We missed you last week very, very much, but glad you're back. And yeah, tonight's going to be fantastic. Really excited to ask Martin all kinds of questions and excited to see how many of his uh listeners are joining us tonight. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And we have none other than Chris DiPerno. He is New York State Director, New York's ERT, and he also has guests, co-host guests with him, Jenna and Jerry. Welcome, Chris. Yeah. Can you see me? <laughs> I see oh you. Oh, my God. Where's Jenna and Jerry? They're, oh, no. I, my, my wife bought me a new chair. It's supposed to help my back. And and I feel like a seal on a beach wet ball. Put all that. No. What's happening? <laughs> we lost Chris. I'm Chris, sorry. <laughs> are you there? Hello. Jerry, Jenna, help him out. Oh, there they are. There they are. Look at Jenna all dolled up. She got a dress. Oh, she's got like a tutu on. Oh. That is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Hello, everybody. Hi, Jenna has a tutu on. Welcome to be at the show. <laughs> now I got to go to the chiropractor and fix my back. <laughs> You're a nut. My new chair. Why is Jenna all dolled up? 
Oh, she got a skirt. She, I, you know, she went El Natural last week, and we decided that we'd get her some clothes. So she wanted a blue skirt for the springtime coming up. Of course, it's still snowing in Buffalo, New York. But we decided she wanted a nice little skirt, and uh, Jerry picked it out. And so sweet. Uh, we got her nice and yeah, yeah. Good Very taste. Sweet of Jerry. I like it. Yeah, he's uh. He's becoming quite the guy ever since he stopped drinking. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, and so he's stuck with that. He's he's still yeah. He's 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 working out all the time, and uh, he can uh, he can do it. <laughs> Good he job, Jerry. Awesome, yay! So, Katie, what do you have to kick us off this week? Oh well, let's kick it off with a meme, as we always do. I love this one. Our friend Dev Rooney sent this. Uh, well, she posted it, and I was like, I have to steal it and share it on the show. For those of you just listening, so there's a classroom, there's an alien, looks like Mothman, and of course there's a ghost and Nessie, but Sasquatch is the teacher, and on the blackboard it says, how to remain blurry in photos. Ain't that the truth? It says, cryptozoological night classes at the Learning Annex. So that's that's what's going on. They're actually <laughs> learning week me, to week me, on me. <laughs> how to evade us, those naughty little things. All right, let's talk about the pop, the paranormal pop of the week. I'm excited. These are little mini ones. Can you see the little... <laughs> Oh, they're like little, <laughs> tiny, ah. little tiny alien heads. They're so cute. So these come in a set of nine. They're vanilla flavored, easy to throw in your purse or take to work. I think that'd be really cute on a cake or cupcakes or something like that. Do they melt? Cupcakes. They melt in my mouth. Well, do they melt in your purse? Yeah, don't put them in your purse if they melt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't leave them in the car like on a hot day or something. They're not going to hang around long enough to get melted. Let's just be clear. <laughs> so you can order those at paranormalpops.com. And finally, I found a couple cute shirts, uh, UFO lady shirts. Nothing for you this Ooh. week, Chris. Sorry. Um, actually, well, I like the lady in it. <laughs> oh, oh, what Do I have to come through there and smack you around? I swear to God. Um <laughs> Katie, these would look so good on you. I thought of you when I saw these shirts, and I think you need them. They I are do need them. They're adorable. They're so cute. And I found these at jammiesjobs.com. Jammiesjobs.com. Right. So there you go. Some cute Sweet. little uh, UFO things for you. And uh, Chris, what's going on with the news this week? The news. Let's get to the news. We got some really great stories. Very strange. I will tell you this. All right. Amanda, let's get going. Former World Bank executive says non-human creatures control the world. For decades, the theory that a secret organization controls the world in the shadows has been around. I don't know. However, now that an executive close to the elites have broken her silence, revealing the truth, they are not from this planet. One of the longest-running and most popular conspiracy theories of all speaks of a possible organization that pulls the strings of our entire society. This elite group would be found within the economy, religion, industries, and entertainment occupying quite... Hey, Johnny Depp, I wonder if he's an alien. Anyways, according <laughs> occupying quite important positions, even though many people discredit it. This theory gains much more strength when a former World Bank executive is the one who decides to break the science and publicly reveals that not only does the elite group exist, but that they do not belong to this world. So who is Karen Hughes? 
H-U-D-E-S. Come on, Karen. Karen was a senior executive in the Treasury Department of the World Bank until 2007. I wonder why she lost her job. Anyways, in her resume, (laughs) she holds a degree in law from Yale University and economics from the University of Amsterdam. In addition to her work at the World Bank, she also worked for an export-import bank of the United States, including working in the World's Bank legal department. That's a great place for her. Her career was impeccable, and she was held in a very high esteem during the 20 years she worked at the World Bank until she was fired in 2007 as a legal counsel. The reason? Denounce the corruption of the elite that is dominating the world. That sounds like a horror movie. I, I tell you, I got to wait to see this on Netflix. It's possible non-human origins. Non-human creatures with elongated heads and an IQ over 150 control the Vatican and the World Bank and 419 West Meadow Street. That's my wife's. With these words, Hughes began her public denunciation of what she personally saw that she held the position of legal advisor of the World Bank. The lawyer and economist declared that extraterrestrial beings had been infiltrating for years in quite important positions of power. He assures that, or she assures that they do not belong to the human race. These beings have coexisted with humanity for many years prior to the Ice Age. In an interview with the news portal Next News Network, Hughes stated that even though in the past she did not believe in any of that, she began to investigate to realize that there was historical evidence of creatures like the ones that would live today with strangers, elongated skulls, or can be seen in Egyptian hieroglyphics. Even though Hughes' words have aroused the great interest of worldwide, I haven't seen it on any of the news, but so they say, to the point that the television networks have wanted to interview her. She is not the first to denounce this. Former Minister of Defense in Canada, Paul Hellyer, gave some statements in 2014 in which he assured that there were extraterrestrials being working directly with the United States government. They could be in control of an important core of world institutions, including financial, corporate, and religious, to get dominance of the planet. The goal of dominating these institutions is through the enslavement of humanity through debt. They want to enslave all... Gar- you know, aliens don't have to do that. They give my wife a credit card, and I'm in debt for the rest of my life. Jesus. They want to ens- Why? They- Stop your head. That's true. They want to enslave all governments and politicians to give up huge financial contributions to the use of their political campaigns. Because this elite also manages the entertainment and media industry, the truth is that they're extremely difficult to find out about this. Amanda, roll that first video. People, Now, think of this as an elaboration on a larger scale. And what we're dealing with actually is humanity and the elite, the secret societies, the Vatican. They're traitors to humanity because the one at the very core that's pulling the strings is a different species. They're not the human race. They're called Homo Capensis. They have been on Earth together with humanity 
for before this ice age. And the reason I know about this is because um, I was um, trying to help out a movie producer um, who couldn't get his movie. Um, it was called The Banksters Made Off with, Ameri with America, uh, Edmund Drillet. And he introduced me to his network of whistleblowers. One of the people in that network is a neurologist who went to Yale Medical School and was retired. And he was trying to find out what was at the very core of all of this corruption. And um, so you, you mentioned this, 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 this species, an additional species of, of, of humans. Or, or No, they're not humans. They are so distinct from humans that if they were to mate with humans, their offspring would not be fertile. Um, are you speaking of... What, what, what is really remarkable, actually, is that we have had so much evidence and we haven't had any studies into it. Um, if, you, if you look at the archaeology, there, there is um, a civilization off the coast because the, um, the sea level has risen by 400 meters. But what do we know about this ancient pre-Ice Age civilization. Right now, to be we do have a map. Some, some people might say it's completely crazy. What do you say to those people who are watching this right now going, I don't believe a word of it? I would say you need to read the articles that Ed Spencer has sent me. You need to look at the skulls in the museums. You need to read the DNA studies. Skull. And so need I'm going to presume that they probably also know that there are individuals, and they're not humans. They do not have the same kind of D DNA that we do. And I can tell you what I know about them. They're very mathematical. Their average intelligence is about 150. Uh, and they do not have um, uh, creativity. They're not um, emotional. And the other thing is that um, in the process of working with all of these whistleblowers, um, I've learned a lot about the strengths of, of Homo sapiens because, um, you know, we're not, uh, we're not giving each other salaries. We're not giving each other honors. We're not giving each other anything other than additional hard work. Um, but we also know who we're working for. We're working for all of humanity. So, okay. Well, first, I want to tell Yale Law they better revise their court. That's number one. Yeah, well. And the second thing, I think this lady could be a poster child for the fruit loop cereal. But hey, what do I know? <laughs> she might be the real deal. I don't know people. Cookie, what do you think? I have so many thoughts. Um, first of all, why why are you pulling Johnny Depp into this? <laughs> I don't really know that he deserves to be pulled into this alien thing. I don't know. <laughs> Um, that was a segment ago. You're, you're a good coming now. You <laughs> no, at the beginning of this, you were talking about entertainment and and uh, right. It was well, yeah. It was this. It was this segment. I've never heard Homo Copensis before. Have you? No, I I don't even know how to pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. Um, well, yeah, I think that's what she said. So she talks about them having a lack of creativity and being emotionless. I mean, that that definitely rings true. I know the World Bank is very mad at this woman. Um, I don't know if she's telling the truth or not. I know they, they put out a, uh, a quote in 2014 saying she is not with us. She does not work for us. You know, so they're definitely 
separating themselves. I mean, hey, you know what? She's she probably has more inside knowledge than we do. I think it's worth hearing anybody that has had held that kind of position and what they have to say. But um, I, I'm just going to say this real quick. I've I'm, I'm not sure I can totally buy the idea that the entertainment business is totally ruled by this elite. Just having been in the entertainment business for so long and seeing why things get picked up and funded and why things don't. It's, I think I don't, I don't know that it's quite as uh, exotic and high powered as, as people want to believe. I do believe there's some priming going on. I, I can understand that. And maybe some things could make it through that, you know, uh, put forward a certain narrative. I'm, I'm open to that idea, but I just don't know that when somebody's like, well, my script didn't get picked up because the elite shut it down. Like, well, you may have had a bad script. I mean, that's maybe just it just good. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And there's so many different kinds of alien movies from ones that love us to ones that want to annihilate us. And I, you know, so I don't, I just don't know that I believe that narrative all the time, but that's just my thoughts. Yeah. I don't Katie, think we're that. I don't think we're that organized that somebody has complete control over everything. Come on. We're not, we're not that all together. Um, I think it explains a lot. I don't know. I mean, you have all those people who say there's really no parties that, you know, whether you're left, right, or in between, it's all being controlled by some bigger entity. So maybe that speaks to that. I also had the question of like, are these the RH negatives? I mean, I don't know. So many questions like Katie, I don't know. I agree with her too. Just listen to, you know, what she has to say with a grain of salt. Take it in, process, take it out. <laughs> you got to remember, you got to filter this type of stuff because you got very um, well-known people coming out, like Paul Hellyard was one, oh, that uh, Israeli uh, scientist who was yeah. the head of the Israeli Space Agency. He's come out. Bigelow's come out. And, you know, my next story, of course, a, a famous doctor has come out with it. So... You you got to take and see what the truth is between all this mumbo jumbo. I mean, are they controlling the banks? Are they doing all this stuff? I don't know. I mean, I got to. What's the agenda? I, yeah. All right. Well, but let's get on with our next yeah. story. Power and all money. Right. I mean, I get yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you that I'm in debt. I'm in debt because I have a wife. So here we go. Oh. <laughs> Professor <laughs> offers theory on alien abduction. Dr. David Jacobs of Temple University has reached a rather startling conclusion about abductees' experiences. There are a surprising number of people who believe that they have, at some stage in their lives, encountered beings from another world. The typical abduction experience usually involves a person being taken from their home, subjected to medical experiments, and then returned with their memories of the encounter distorted or erased. One man who has been attempting to make sense of such experiences is Dr. David Jacobs, a researcher and author who has spent years collecting and comparing abductees' testimonies. He has since come to the rather startling conclusion that alien abduction is a precursor to a future alien invasion with the abductees themselves fulfilling some sort of role during the attack. Dr. Jacobs has explained we have spread around the world and conquer as much as we can. We don't know whether this is true or other beings or not, but it is certainly is true of what humans have done. He said Dr. Jacobs' best guess is that, yeah, they're doing the same thing that I guess we would be doing. Eh, it might be true. Dr. Jacobs also suggests that reports by abductees of human-like aliens aboard UFOs could indicate that plans to infiltrate human society 
are already in motion. What they are describing was that the ones on board who look really, really human were coming down and trying to learn what it's like to walk among us, to be human, he said. At that point, I knew it's interrogation into our anxiety prior to the takeover. And, and the word is integration. Sorry about that. They can control us and we can't control them. They are superhumans, so to speak. Whether they are going to take over or not, they can control the human mind. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I fear the worst. I don't fear the worst because they're not going to take over my mind. There's nothing there. Anyways, Amanda, roll that second take. Uh, the hybrid phenomenon, uh, which is a, a matter of, of reproduction, that is to say uh, uh, DNA from, from humans is mixed, I think, I guess, I surmise, with DNA from certain aliens to produce hybrids. Uh, this reproductive aspect has been known since the very, very beginning of the abduction phenomenon that, that made uh, publicity. That is to say, the Antonio Villasboas case in 1957 in Brazil and the Barney and Betty, Betty Hill case in 1961 in New Hampshire. Those are the first two cases that we ever heard of, and both of them had a reproductive aspect to them. Uh, which, of course, nobody on Earth had any knowledge of or could figure out or anything like that. Um, However, there's two other things you have to understand about the abduction phenomenon. Uh, number one, uh, a person is an abductee because their mother or their father was an abductee. And their mother or father, the grandparents, uh, one of them or both of them might have been abductees. And probably their great-grandparents might have been abductees, but at that point, we're, we're doing some guesswork. Right, right. Um, this is a global phenomenon. It does not matter where a person lives, a person's upbringing, a person's intelligence, a person's educational level, whether that person was kept in a closet for the first nine years of his life. Nothing matters. They all say the same thing in the same precise detail around the world. There has never been a phenomenon like this in human history. No, Most abductions that I've looked at don't happen when the person is asleep, but it's, it's close. Um, uh, or a, a fully formed scar on your body, fully formed scar that was not there the day before. I have seen this with mine own eyes, as they say. Uh, or oh, I did a session with a woman uh, one day, and the next day I, I saw her again, and she had a perfectly formed, com complete scar, uh, uh, not, not, not a scab, not a cut, right between her thumb and her forefinger on her left hand, and the exact same scar between her thumb and her forehand on her right hand. Talks about the processes and the bureaucracy involved with settling hubrids in, into apartments, teaching them how to uh, uh, furnish an apartment, teaching them how to drive, teaching them this, teaching them that, so that they can just eventually get away from that abductee and live on their own, and then there'll be other ones that the abductees will help against the abductee's will. There's, there's the one difference between hubrids or hybrids and humans is that they can control us neurologically and we cannot control them. That makes us a this turned out, uh, uh, as I did more and more research, uh, I wrote Secret Life, then, then The Threat, then this uh, Walking Among Us. Uh, uh, there was a book in there that I edited also. Uh, but um, 
the, the trajectory of it was not what I wanted. It's not what I wanted to hear. I, it, was, it was different than what I thought it was. And as it went along and I began to realize, this is scary stuff. And eventually I, I, I became frightened of it. And now I, 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 I'm, I'm almost sorry that I went into this and, and, and found this stuff. Hmm. Pretty frightening. Cookie, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I, for the longest time, if anybody used the word threat, I, I don't know, I would just bristle at that and just be like, no, you know, we have to be more enlightened and, you know, but people have very frightening experiences. And I, I, I don't think it's as simple as saying they're automatically our friend, as we've discussed this week after week. I don't think it's as simple as saying they're automatically a threat. Um, it's a very polarizing thing. And, and I don't believe that if you think they're a threat, it just means you're unenlightened, I guess is my point. I do think, you know, we can't outrun them. We can't outshoot them. You know, if there's some kind of threat, I think our best hope is to energetically and spiritually, if that's your thing, protect yourself. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say 100% either way, you know, friend or foe. I'm just not comfortable with that. Katie, what do you think? Yeah, I think when we talk about motives, it's hard to... It's just, it's anybody's guess. I mean, we don't know what motivates each other, let alone ETs. So I don't know. I, I get kind of lost in that. I kept thinking about in the back of my mind, though, that Havana syndrome, you know, what that, what is that? Is that something that we have or is that something that another race is using on us, our brains? Well, the and that's a scary thing. Microwaves. You don't it's, think another ET race could have control of that and no, be doing something? I'm not something? saying that they ha that there's something similar to it. That I do know that there is something similar to the Havana syndrome that abductees have had side effects with. Right. The, but and that's what the government is comparing is the Havana syndrome and abductees, um, you know, after effects because their MRIs are showing white spots in their brains. Well, microwaves, if, if it's microwaves, microwaves is a frequency, and a frequency can actually harm your brain. That's scary. It's I very just think scary. We have stories of people saying, I, I was abducted and they completely healed me. And you have other people saying, I was abducted and I've exactly. never been right since. Everything in my body is falling apart. So I just, yeah. does that... Now, does that show that they intend to harm us? I don't think so, but I don't think we totally know. But more data, just we just need more and more and more stories all the time. And at least it's being studied. At least we're finding out now that they're studying it more. You know, yeah. maybe they haven't realized that their telepathic, the way they talk to us telepathically, uh, harms our brains. Because maybe the whatever they use to, to put a telepathic thought in actually creates a, an injury. And they haven't come to an idea or come to a, a way of solving that problem yet. I never thought about telepathy being mm -hmm. harmful in any way. I don't like the thought of that. Yeah. I've had telepathy a few times. So I'm like, oh, that doesn't <laughs> do some depth. Actually, it might explain a lot. That's what's wrong with you. All right. Well, let's get to the next story. And I'm not going to joke about this one because I had a very heartfelt uh, talk with, with a, an abductee. And I was one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. I actually read her story, and then I, I went to talk to her. And, uh, well, let me just start with this. Jane was taken by two individuals. She doesn't does not remember much, if anything, about it. Perhaps they drugged her. She woke up in a strange environment. Unlike anything she has ever seen, she sees odd-looking individuals she does not know, nor does she understand. 
She is supine on a platform. She is naked and is being poked, prodded, and things she cannot perceive are being done to her. She has nothing to base this experience on, does not remember going through anything like this before, and she is confused. She is scared. She is in pain and screams. She has somehow returned to her home. Her clothes are inside out. She has strange marks on her body. She feels tired and is thirsty. She realizes how late it is. She doesn't understand and is upset. She also doesn't remember she has gone through this many times. Jane is an abductee taken by non-humans. She is a test subject, and in fact, she has been used for many things. She doesn't remember. She really doesn't want to. She keeps telling herself lies about all the weird things that have happened to her. She wakes up exhausted, feeling like she has been running all night. She has bad nightmares and sees markings and odd things somewhat done to her body. She must have eaten something bad, gave her nightmares. She's been under so much stress. This is a story of an abductee, alone, frightened, and has no idea who or why this is happening to her. She does not know it's happening, and the individuals who are doing this are aliens. So I found Jane. Her name is really Linda Thompson. And I want to really quick share her story with our listeners. Amanda, would you roll that tape, please? Hey, this is Chris DePerl, and with me today is Linda Thompson. Now, Linda Thompson is an abductee, and she has an amazing story that she has to tell because I want her to tell it. I've asked her so kindly to tell it. It's an absolutely unbelievable story. It's scary. It tells what a real abduction is all about. So let me introduce you to Linda Thompson. Hello, Linda. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Great to be here. All right, let's get right into it. First of all, thank you for being with us today. My first question is, you've talked about being taken by two individuals. Can you explain and tell us how you realized you were an abductee to begin with? Okay. Yeah, it was more than two individuals, and it was more than just once. It was many times. Wow. Um, lifer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were things that happened all my life, and just so many things, but um, one event particularly involved about five of them, and so I, <laughs> different things, just... um, when it all came together at one head, I would say it was when my husband asked me one morning where I was last night, and it's like, I've been in bed all night. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. And he said, no, you weren't. He said, I checked the house everywhere. The doors were locked. Your purse and keys were here. The car doors, all the cars were here. There's, you weren't here. And I said, well, <laughs> as far as I know, I was here. But, you know. The last was- I knew. There were a lot of different things that happened and markings and just a lot of different things. An object was removed from up there. And so when that was sent to the lab, when the doctor took it out, he thought it was maybe a tumor and taught me to take it out. A lot of cancer in my family, so I didn't want any chances. So took it out. He showed it to me in the container and said this doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before and he what did it look like well 
it, I mean, it wasn't small. It kind of, I don't know what to say. He said it had something around it. So, you know, it was, he thought it was maybe a cyst, but then he says he's never seen anything the way it, it didn't burst or anything like that. So he sent it to the lab and I got a call from the doctor's office a couple of weeks later, said that it could not be identified. And I was like, what do you mean it can't be identified? It's, is it cancer? No. Do you, I mean, they said they can't identify it. So now you lab? actually recovered an implant and I'm going to show the picture real quick. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is an implant that came from you that you recovered. I sneezed it. You sneezed it? Yeah. I sneezed it. That must have been one hell of a sneeze to get that out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it landed in a tissue, uh, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And I was throwing it in the trash and I was like, what is that? So I grabbed it out of the trash and yeah. That you so. discovered that you were pregnant or the doctor told you that you were pregnant and you had no idea that you were ever pregnant. And you weren't even aware of it. Tell us about that. Yeah. I had had a couple of miscarriages before that where it was kind of weird uh, situation. I had my son. Okay. So I had him. And then when I was having trouble, which was related later, I found out to the program. Um, when I was having trouble, I went to a gynecologist for that. He told me and my husband both that I had had a baby since my son. <laughs> I just thought he was an idiot. <laughs> I would do. I mean, I was like, no, I don't know what, what you're thinking or anything else, but I would know if I had had another baby since my son. And he informed me, no, that you've had another baby since your son. And I was like, mm. So, Did you tell him, say, listen, dude, I only got one son. I could, and I could produce him. Can, can you show me where you think I got another baby? It was not a pleasant ride home, I'll tell you that. <laughs> if I was your husband, it wouldn't be a pleasant ride home. And then, um, you know, I, w I just stewed about it for days because I was so angry about it. I can but, understand. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And, and, Linda, I want to thank you for being on with us. And I'm sure that we're going to talk several times again. Folks, this is Linda Thompson, abductee. And if you want to hear more of her story, let us know. Maybe we'll get her on as a guest. Take care, Linda. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Wow. Amazing story. And that's just part of her story. It's, it's an absolute amazing, somewhat scary uh, story of what this poor woman has gone through. I, I have so much respect for her. Uh, somebody said they wanted to see that implant again. Yeah, Amanda, thank you. Folks, that's the implant that Linda Thompson was able, and I will tell you that's the same type of implant that Terry Lovelace has an x-ray of. If you look at Terry Lovelace's uh, x-ray, it's the same size configure of, of what uh, Linda has there. Thanks, Amanda. I'm glad she has that. So many people say the implant was taken out. They said they wanted to test it. I never saw it again. Yeah, and that actually happened to one of the implants that was taken out. It was lost at the lab. Yeah. Um, Katie, I think you're on mute. Let's see. Let's get you unmuted there. I am sorry. The dog was barking. 
Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's so brave of her to come forward. And I want to thank her for the work she's doing for MUFON, because what that shows me is she's taking her experiences, things that she's gone through and pretty traumatic at that. I mean, you know, losing fetuses and all that. And she's, you know, out there investigating and helping others. So um, kudos to her. And thank you so much for sharing, yes. you know. She's a, she's a hero. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so I think it's now a good time to bring on our guest. Are you guys all right with that? And we'll save yes. what we had for next week. We kind of ran over with that, but I think that was an important, important story to share and, and great news, by the way, Chris. So our guest this week is Martin Willis. Um, the subject of UFOs has fascinated Martin Willis since his youth, yet he was on the fence about the subject. He experienced a personal sighting in 2006 in Carmel Valley, California, that solidified his beliefs that unidentifiable flying objects do exist. As a UFO enthusiast, Martin created Podcast UFO in November of 2011, which airs on KGRADB.com on Tuesday nights from 6 to 8. He also has his YouTube channel, Martin Willis Live Shows, which has numerous interviews. Um, Martin's mission is to provide a place where anyone could interact and be heard who had a UFO experience or insight on the subject. Martin began podcasting on antiques, auctions, and art in 2009 and is a longtime antique and fine art appraiser, which I find fascinating. Welcome to the show, Martin. Hey, thank you. I'm so glad, glad to be here. here. Yeah. So, yeah, I would just like to kick it off with that 2006 Carmel Valley, California sighting that kind of changed your mind on the whole subject. Well, you know, it was, uh, as far as UFO sightings go, I, I would consider this kind of boring. You know, I mean, I've heard so many stories of, since I've done this show that I was just, I was in, I was not drinking, first of all, I always have to say that. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was in a hot tub. It was somewhere around eight o'clock. Um, and I was in Carmel Valley at a neighbor, a neighbor had a ranch there, a, a weekend ranch and offered uh, their guest cabin. So I was by myself in the hot tub. And if I had a camera, I have to say this also, if I had a camera on me, I would have never thought to pick it up because I was so in the moment when something caught my eye um, and I looked up and there was, it was a blue, well, uh, first of all, perfectly shaped disc. It was like perfectly um, like a quarter, like a, going over my head about the size of a quarter. I don't know how many feet up in the air it was. I have no, no clue at all but it had like a light blue glow around it. I've only heard one other person say that um, so far at this point. So the thing that amazed me, and I, I never really looked into the UFO topic, but the thing that baffled me the most at the time is how is this thing moving and making absolutely no sound? And that's that was very eerie to me. And so it stopped, it just stopped. And that's another thing, like, how is it stopping? Um, but it was moving slow. It was not moving fast. I never saw it move fast at all. And then it moved at an angle toward uh, Monterey. Now, there's some type of Navy training or something over that way. But I don't think this had any relation to that at all. So I jumped out of the hot tub. I went back to the guest house. They had the old dial phone. And I called uh, the police department. I didn't know who to call. I had absolutely no idea that there was anything like MUFON or any place that you would report something online. Um, so I called the police department. I said, this is a non-emergency. And she was very, you know, what's your emergency? She was very annoyed. And then I said, there's an object that just went over and it's heading toward Monterey. And I want to know if anyone else 
has seen it and what it is. And uh, she was extremely sarcastic. I was uh, waiting on hold for about 20 minutes or something, something like that. I finally hung up and just was kind of discouraged with the whole thing. So uh, I'm working at a, uh, an auction gallery. Uh, I was an appraiser in uh, Oakland, um, California. And I had a really good friend there that I was actually mentoring uh, on, on, you know, silver and things like that. And so I said, well, don't tell anyone, but um, I told her the whole story, you know, and it wasn't, it's not fantastical if you ask me, it, it's nothing earth shattering, but to me it was extremely interesting and it really changed my mind about, Hey, this, this stuff is real. Whatever it is, is real. So uh, I told her not to tell anyone. I told her the story and, it wasn't even a half hour later, um, people were teasing me. So the story got out there. So I kept really quiet about it for for years. I started my podcast on antiques and um, I was on someone else's podcast who asked me what the weirdest thing that ever happened to me. And I said, um, I told them the UFO story and they, this was a comedy podcast I was on and, and they started the guys teasing me, asking me how the probing was and all that stuff. So, uh, but anyway, all of a sudden I had this idea, well, you know, maybe I'll, I'll start a show on UFOs. I like podcasting. It was really hard to do back then. I mean, it's so easy to do now compared to then. So I uh, contacted everyone. I started watching YouTube. Who's, you know, who's in the UFO field out there? Stan Friedman, that looks like a good one. This person, that person. I reached out to everyone I could think of, everyone out there. And finally, uh, Stephen Bassett said, okay, sure, I'll be on. I said, I'll be doing my first show. And he said, sure, I'll be on. So uh, because that happened to me, um, if anyone ever asked me to be on their show, I always say, yes, I'll be on. And I was the first one on, um, let's see, what is it? Uh, the cele celebrity celebrity uh, review, uh, unidentified celebrity celebrity review with uh, mm -hmm. Lewis out in California. I was his first guest. So I, I, I'm willing to share that. But um, yeah, that was, uh, I had a fireball incident that was much more interesting than my UFO sighting. Uh, that was uh, crazy. So that's it. That's how I got started. And it's, like I said, it's not real exciting. It didn't speed off. I didn't see anything uh, unusual movements other than it stopping and just sitting there and then, you know, moving off. Everything was really straight. You know, like it was straight, a very straight line, and then it stopped, and then it was a very straight angle toward Monterey. There was no wavering. But other than that, it wasn't really that exciting. So that sounds pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, sounds pretty exciting to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you got started with this stuff, watching Stanton and then talking to Stephen Bassett, you certainly started at the top there, which is cool. I, I do want to stay on this experience that you had for a moment. So many people say, you know, I didn't. I just didn't grab a camera. I don't know. I was just so in the moment. And you've talked to so many people that have had so many experiences. I always wonder, is it truly just that you're stunned in that moment and you don't grab the camera? Or could you be manipulated into acting a certain way? Because a lot of people will look back on their contact or or just, you know, seeing a UFO experience and be like, God, I, I'm not sure I behave the way I normally would. Do you have thoughts on that, whether or not there was any control? Um, I don't in that particular case, in my case, but I do... I totally agree with what you're talking about. I've heard that many times where people don't understand why they didn't do something like grab a camera 
or the weird thing that you hear a lot of times is that people don't even talk about it afterwards. They may be with a group of friends and they don't even talk about it, uh, you know, with each other after it happens. So, yeah, I think it, it seems like something's going on for sure. It's weird. Yeah. 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 Martin, I have a question for you. Yeah. What are your, I mean, there's so many experts out there giving their opinions. They think it's dimensional. They think they're from other planets. They think they're from under the water. I want to know your thoughts. You've been in this business for a long time now. You've interviewed hundreds of guests, hundreds of experts. What do you think UFOs are? What's your opinion of where they come from and what they are? Well, um, and by the way, Jenna needs her head adjusted. You can't see her eyes. It just I tell you that goes. <laughs> Is uh, it Jerry. We need to make uh yeah, we need to make eye contact. Um, All right, thanks. <laughs> I'll get Jerry up here. You know, uh I've said this on my show a number of times. It seems like the longer I'm looking into this, the less I know. Mm -hmm. So um I I don't think um I like the the, the comment that I, I like that I hear people say or other people I've heard say is that they think that it may be a number of things. And, and I agree with that. I don't think it's just one thing. I think, um, you know, a lot of the things are, that are unexplained at this point possibly have an explanation, but we only need one, right? We only need one real case. Um, and, you know, I, I tend to think that a lot of what is happening may be extraterrestrial, but I don't know for sure. I think there could be an aspect of time travel I also heavily think that there may be some dimensional situations going on, and that might explain other things as well. Um, for instance, um, you know, years ago I had what I would describe as a poltergeist experience, right? And, you know, it happened. I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it. Where um, was that, Martin? I'm sorry? Where was that? That's that very was in, interesting. In, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, I was working in a house. I, you know... It's not about UFOs, but if you'd like, I'll go into it real quickly. Yeah, yeah you're just yeah. real quick. Yeah. All right. So I was working in a house. It was um, it was during the winter, and all the we have, in New England we have storm windows, and they were all down, sealed shut. Um, it was late. Um, um, I think it was actually early spring, actually uh, late winter, early spring. So it was a day where you could go outside, you know, with a light jacket on, no problem. So I was working in this house. I had the uh, door open downstairs and I was upstairs and I went into a room and I was cleaning out some things. Uh, I took all the antiques out and my job was to get the place ready to sell. So I was basically um, cleaning up around and I opened the closet door and they had put in a carpet and it's one of these 1940s houses. So they put in a carpet and they never cut the door. So you had to drag the door across the carpet. It was really hard to open the door. And so, uh, and it must've been a pain in the neck. I don't know why they never trimmed the bottom of the door. So I opened the door and I'm cleaning out like coat hangers and things like that in a bag. And I walk out to, with the garbage bag, I walk out into the hallway and all of a sudden the closet door went, bam. I mean, it <laughs> slammed shut. And so I walk back in, I'm looking around, all the windows are closed. And then I open the door and I drag, dragging it and I go, oh my God, I'm getting the hell out of here. Then I, just before that, I had finished sweeping upstairs. So I slid the, now the front door is wide open. I slid the broom down the stairs and uh, 
So I'm out in the hallway and all of a sudden the front door slams. Uh, I run down and the broom is leaning up against it. <laughs> now I had slid the broom down prior to, to this. Um, so um, I had a worker that day. He came back from the dump and I said, I'm not, I was standing outside. I said, I'm not going in the house alone. Well, he started teasing me, you know, making the woo ghost noises <laughs> and things like that. So he left, you know, the last thing that happened and, you know, it's not remarkable, but the last thing that happened was you know, he took off. I'm in, I'm in the garage. Everything's gone except I looked and there was this big flower basket with the wicker with a big loop around like that. He said something because he worked at a funeral home. He said, oh, I see those in the funeral home all the time uh, and uh, full of flowers. And, and so I walked over to the, the basket and I go to lift it up to toss it in the, in the trailer. To, to, that was my last thing. And then I was gone. So I went to grab it and it stuck. So I'm pulling so hard on it, it breaks in half and the bottom sticks on the floor and I toss in the thing. And, and then all of a sudden it dawned to me, why was that stuck? And I went over to it and I tapped it with my foot and it was loose on the floor. There was nothing holding it. There was oh, no, wow. nothing wow. on the floor. It was cement. So that, and I would, um, I would, that really did happen to me. And, you know, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, there is an explanation for it, but I have no idea what it is. So whether it's a dimensional or I have no idea, mm. no idea. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Sorry, my battery is going to die. I don't know why. Um, so was this before or after your sighting that you had this? Oh, this happen? was way before. This was back in the 1990s, I think. Okay. I yeah. asked that because, you know, there's that theory kind of like um, skinwalkers at the Pentagon that UFO sightings and that can have attachments, especially in high strangeness incidents. But being an antique dealer, I'm sure, I mean, do you think that energy and spirits get attached to some of these antiques that you're dealing with? I'm surprised you don't have a lot more of those kind of stories. Well, I do have a do. couple, um, but, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I have heard of things about, you know, um, I, I've had things that, um, I, uh, um, a former girlfriend, like I would bring home and she would say, get it out of the house. No, I, there's, there's bad vibes, you know, and, and there may be something to that. Uh, but I've, I've had others, a couple of other circumstances happen. Is, and is that the reason they're former girlfriends? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the reasons. Yes, certainly. Uh, so we only have about five minutes until break, but just since we're talking about the paranormal thing, we talk a lot on this show about how there seems to be a connection between UFO stuff and paranormal stuff. Um, Anne Streeper, you know, Whitley's wife, we've talked about this multiple times, how she used to read all those letters that Whitley would get. And very often people would talk about seeing grays with their past loved ones. Um, and I'm just wondering with all the people that you've talked to, if you've come across that very much, people saying, well, it's not just the ET thing in my life. I seem to have all kinds of paranormal stuff. Yeah. Um, yes, I have. I've have heard that a, a few times, but not, um, you know, a lot of times people, when I have them on my show to talk about UFOs, they, 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 they obviously or possibly don't feel comfortable going into that and just stay on the topic of UFOs. But I've had a couple of people say other things have happened. 
you know, I and mean, then there's a whole Bigfoot thing too, you know, you hear about, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I think what we're all, we, we're always trying to figure out whether or not having an encounter or a sighting can unlock something to where you are just going to be more open for the rest of your life. Or if you're just that kind of person that's more open, so you're more prone to have a, a UFO encounter as well. It's like, does one trigger the other, or are you just that kind of person where the veil is a little bit thinner? Yeah, I, I think that may be the case, you know, to me, that that does make sense. And uh, Chris, thanks for fixing the hat there. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll take care yeah. of it during the break. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll fix them really nice. How's that, Mark? <laughs> Just for you. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. No, I I do think there there could be some type of connection. I I do think that I know that my mind is definitely open now since I had my sighting, and I've had a couple things happen since then. And I'm really reluctant to say that I I have. Uh, had a UFO sighting since my first one because I feel like I, I want to really keep my credibility and I don't want to over exaggerate. So I did have this, what I think was possibly a drone. I showed it to Mark D'Antonio and he kind of said, walks like a duck, you know, talks like a duck. It's probably a duck, but, um, but it was a very interesting drone uh, that flew if that's what it was uh, last year, but I'm not, I don't put it out there as a UFO. It's just yeah. an interesting uh very interesting, interesting light. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Did, did anybody else in your family have any sightings or paranormal contact or any? Because a lot of times this can be generational. So do you, and how, how does your family, you know, do they, are they supportive of all the work that you do in your research? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a one sister that <laughs> oh, was, no. in, was interested and was in the chat all the time and stuff like that for a while, but um, she kind of went away and she, that's kind of her MO anyway. Um, no stick with it for anything, but anyway, um, and my other sister, she's married to a Los Alamos, uh, laboratory scientist and, uh, retired now. And he's actually open to the idea of it all. And she's like, eh, you know, I think she thinks I'm crazy and that's, that's okay. Um, so as far as the family though, uh, there was a, uh, another ghost situation where my sister who's uh, no longer with us, but her and my father both had this uh, sighting of this little girl in a white dress and it was an early colonial house. It was an Indian attack. The children were killed um, at that very house. The house got moved down the street um, uh, several years after my father sold it. They both saw this little girl in a white dress. So I stopped in, I happened to see there was an antique shop and I thought it was kind of funny because my father had an antique shop um, in, in the building after it was moved and I stopped in there and I said to the guy after I was talking to him for a while, I said, does anyone ever talk about a, a ghost here? And he said, do you mean the girl, little girl in the white dress? Oh, I said, you're oh, kidding man. me. So, <laughs> and so he said, yes, go inside to the accountants. They see her too. He said, I heard my, my daughter talking in the back room and I went in and she's and she was talking and stopped. And then I said, well, who, who are you talking to? And, and the little, his daughter said, a, a girl in a white dress. Oh, and wow. the accountants have seen her too. So, um, so I'd say that my family did have that. Yeah. You know, that's it, really. Wow. I know I'm always so hesitant to get antiques and stuff because I always think there's something attached to them. <laughs> Got to cleanse them. Like, ah. <laughs> do you do that with any of your antiques? Cleanse them? Smudge. And stuff? It's smudge. It's a smudging. Smudging. Yeah. smudging. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. um, no, I've, I, uh, not, not really. No, I, I don't. I don't really feel that. I don't feel things. Sometimes I go into houses and I feel like this weird feeling in a house, but 
Um, but the objects themselves, I've never really felt much like that. Uh, mm. However, I've been in places where they have some really weird things and it, and it, you know, like uh, some African sculptures that are really strange and, you know, I wouldn't, you know, they just have bad vibes, I think. You know? I, I don't know how you guys do it because I got a friend that collects demonic dolls and right. I won't even go into his house. Yeah. I say, bring the coffee outside. I'll drink coffee with you outside. <laughs> I won't even go into the place. So, I mean, I think, I think when you start playing with stuff like that, you're playing with gasoline and matches and sooner or later, it's going to light the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, that's just my opinion. It could. Oh, it looks like uh, Katie just dropped out there. We've got, you know, we've got less than a minute to break. So let's spend 30 seconds making sure that anybody who's watching who has not seen your podcast, Martin, can you tell them about that really quickly? Oh, yes. Uh, the podcast actually turned into like a live stream. It happens every Tuesday night at 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the, you know, the, the live stream is unedited. I just, I've, I've gotten lazy. I used to edit the podcast and all that. So I just take the live stream, I take the audio out and I put it out on the uh, podcast feed and I get up to 80,000 downloads per show. So it's fantastic. Uh, it's just That's that it's great. been around a long Man. time. Well, you've it's been amazing. around for a long well, you... time. Yeah. Well, and stick around because we're going to break right now. Don't go anywhere. All right. We'll be right back. Give us about three minutes. We'll be right back. should talk about how to plan for an emergency. Get tips and resources to make your family's emergency plan. Hey members, the new KGRADB app is now available on iOS and Android devices. Gain on-demand access to any KGRADB programming. Download any show directly to your mobile device to listen or watch on the go. Go to the App Store and search KGRADB. Welcome to the new KGRA digital broadcasting website, thekgradb.com. Here you'll find great new content, including the KGRA classics, great shows from our archives. You'll be able to see the showtimes and information so you can see what show is currently on air. The on-air live button. So just go to this section and you'll be able to hear the show live with exceptional sound quality. We also have the vault section. Make sure to subscribe to get access to great content and special features. We have the make content for our latest news and events, so make sure to sign up and you can be part of our forum. So make sure to check out the new KGRA digital broadcasting website, the KGRADB.com. We look forward to seeing you there and we hope that you enjoy the new website.
Okay, talk about ghost. <laughs> that bam, everything just shut down. Like, ah. Ah. Anyway, I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back. And we are here with Martin Willis. I want to switch gears a little bit. Speaking of like time travel, um, <laughs> what do you think of the um, you know, Michael Masters E, you know, us in the future, ETs are us in the future theory. What do you think of that? I think it's like I said, um, when we're talking about the possibilities of what these things are, I think that might be part of the equation. I mean, it very well could be explaining why, um, you know, World War II and the Foo Fighters, like they're coming back to see certain events, possibly. I don't know. Um, you know, I used to make a joke as a kid. Time travel will never happen because we don't see people from the future, but maybe we do. Um, and I, I like Michael a lot. He's he's a fun to hang around with a, a yeah. great guy um and i think he's i think he took kind of a bold step to come up with that theory and 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 i i watched him i forget where we were exactly i think it was phoenix he went up uh, to someone and uh that was uh claiming uh that it was not science and you know how crazy was someone like him to talk about something like this. And he said, you know, he was kind of like getting into it with the guy saying, how can you be so close minded, you know, and, mm -hmm. and which I think is, is uh, unfortunately uh, a lot of people that have, have their minds made up about things like this and won't even look into the possibilities. So I like Michael a lot. He's yeah. like I said, he's a lot of fun. He's very intelligent and I think he's he has something there, uh, some possibility there. And I've talked to him in depth about, well, why would they, why are people saying they're are we going to be grays in the future? And uh, the last time I spoke to him when he was on, I had a uh, a tenth uh, a tenth year anniversary show, and he was on for part of that. And one of the things I asked him, I said, is it possible in the future that we wipe ourselves out as a species, which which is probable, and yeah. uh, that something else develops, and that's what we're seeing that's coming back. And he said, "Yeah, that's definitely you know a possibility." So, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm a big fan of of his work. I mean, I don't I would never say 100 that I know you know it's us from the future coming back, but he he does back it up with a lot of science and 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 history. And I think we could very well become the Greys. I mean, and he lays it all out in the book. We don't need to go into that now, uh, but I do think it's possible. I always say if time travels ever going to exist, then it already does, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and, and my, you know, Michael's not the first one to come up with this idea. Yeah. I mean, I think I first, I, maybe Whitley Strieber put it on my radar and maybe he's not even the first one to have come up with it. Um, but Michael takes it further than anybody else ever has and really backs it up with a lot of science um, and he's the first to say he doesn't know it all either, but that always really resonated with me, the whole time travel thing, because if we really do screw ourselves up that bad, you know, and we could come back if, if for no other reason than to observe, you know, I think we would, but maybe more importantly to pinch what we need to guarantee that we even have a future. And it would be extremely important for us to not leave a trace and to not have people remember the experience and to not alter you know, because people say, why aren't they showing up and just making the planet better? Well, there could be a very good reason for them not to tinker, you know, with history. But, you know, I'm, I'm only halfway there with the whole time travel thing. It could be a lot of other things, too. Um, yeah. Can I? We but talked when, about before we move on from that, just quickly, I just want to yeah. say something. My uh, my new girlfriend, which is a good girlfriend, 
Uh, <laughs> um, this is a man of my has, own heart. I love this guy. Yeah. Uh, has told me that when she was like eight years old, she had come up with the time travel thing. Mm-hmm. Like these, maybe we're being visited by someone from the future. Maybe that's what UFOs are I at eight that. years old. So I thought that's, that was pretty she's interesting. In the know. She sounds yeah. very smart. Yeah. Yeah. She her. Wait, so I just rambled, but I do have a question. Um, okay. We were watching Linda's story earlier um, about the implant removal. So again, you've talked to so many people uh, probably that have had this experience. A lot of people say the uh, implant comes out, no more contact. But what's your take on that? Because I'm thinking, well, they really want to track you. If that's what it is, can't they just show up and put one back in? I mean, it's really like, oh, darn, she took it out. We can never have contact again. I, you know, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, it's a tough one. You know, for me, I, I think, well, why can't they just take these implants and really do testing on them? I know Dr. Roger Lear, I had him on my show years ago, um, has they started to do tests, but they were inconclusive. It was also Jeremy Corbell did Patient 17, I think it was, something like that, that mm-hmm. movie. But there's never anything conclusive on that. And you would think that that would be such hard evidence, like if that's what they were really, these implants are doing. Now, I'm not sure what's going on with what Linda um, has. Uh, I would be interested to know um, if there's anything you know going on as far as that being studied to see what it is, tested or whatever. But, um, you know, uh, when I first got into this, I was really leery of the whole abduction thing to begin with. But also, uh, you know, as as time has gone along, I've thought, well, you know, if they are whoever they are coming here, uh, they wouldn't just be looking and observing. Of course, they would maybe doing be doing tests and things like that. So I think there really could be something to that. And, you know, I mean, I, there are some stories, the Pascagoula incident, uh, Mm -hmm. there's the Allagash incident, there's Travis Walton, all these abductions to me seem really legitimate. And I, I have talked to all those people involved in those uh, cases. And, you know, I think there's really something to it. As far as the implants, I, I really don't know what to think about that. It seems to me almost primitive in a way, if they're that technologically advanced, couldn't they just track, you know, someone without any, you know, like through their mind or something, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I I can't tell you this, Martin, a lot of abductees that I've talked to have discovered they have more than one implant. Terry Lovelace had uh, uh, two, Uh, Linda Thompson has had two, um, they've had more than just one implant. A lot of times, um, like Linda uh, took hers out of her nose. That's the one that she had that was a square. Uh, Terry Lovelace had one in one leg and and another down by his ankle that was discovered that's unknown. So I I think you're on the right track uh, as far as, you know, why they wouldn't have something better than these things. But I think they put more than one tracking device in you in order to to do that. Mike, here's my question to you. And um, you have done so many interviews. You've done over 500, I believe. What is the one definite thing you could take away from all these ufologists you talk to, all these people you talk to? What is one thing that you've learned that you could say is a definite? There's definitely something happening. 
that we can't explain. Um, so that's that's the most powerful thing that I have gotten out of this. It's absolutely without question there's something going on. Uh, I still don't know exactly what it is. Um, it'll be a mystery. And I always say that if someone tells you they know what it is, you better run, mm. you know. <laughs> but uh, I that's the most I've gotten out of it. You know, it's kind of frustrating because it would be uh, so much better if we knew exactly what is visiting us and why and what do they want. Those are the questions that we want answered. And but I do think that we are definitely being visited and observed. So yeah. um, that's that's all I got, really, as far as the, the big. Number <laughs> well, that's one. a good answer. Yeah. Is there one particular case that made you turn the corner? I mean, I think you and I aligned quite, quite evenly. I, it took me a long time to be convinced that there was something even going on. And then the abduction took me even longer. So I, I agree with everything. But it was there one case in particular or one. What was it that kind of went? Yep, there's definitely something to this. Can you? Yeah, I think. Me? Well, barring my own experience, I would definitely say that the aerial uh, school incident yeah. back in September 1994 um, to me is the most compelling and I can go into that. But before mm -hmm. I do that, I have a little announcement to make. Oh, good. Um, uh, Randall Nickerson and the aerial phenomenon, the movie is coming out finally after 15 years of work, uh, September this year. I don't know what platform it's going to be on. Um, or if it's going to be in theaters, I have no idea. All I know is that directly from him that it's going to be September this year. Uh, and it's going to be amazing because his work awesome. is amazing. Um, he's very, very fussy. He's put so much time and effort into this. And uh, I have talked to, uh, let's see, three or four of the witnesses there. And that's the most compelling case, in my opinion. Um, you know, when I've, I've talked to Selma Siddick, who is one of the people that were, she was right there. The being um, was about four feet away from her. She describes it as like porcelain skin, you know, uh, sort of uh, luminescent a little bit. And she said the hardest thing, she was worried about her, her siblings and she wanted to go check on them. And she said one of the hardest things she ever did in her life was to take her gaze away from the eyes. It was like they were locked. And a lot of people had telepathic, they claimed they had telepathic messages and they were all the same. Take care of the earth. They're destroying the earth. So I think that, um, now, I don't know if your listeners uh, want to hear the whole story, but that case in particular. Yeah, go a, for it, Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know all the details, <laughs> but I will tell you. Okay, I think it was September 16th or something like that, 1994. Uh, the kids are all, uh, they're all outside. There, there was only one teacher outside and she, they didn't even know that she was outside. She came forward in the last few years. So they were all outside playing and these orbs, like they looked like orbs at first. There were three of them. They, they went over to a brush area where the kids are not supposed to go. There's snakes and things over that way. I forget what they call that, that area. So one uh, comes down and lands, but it, I think it's sort of shapeshifted or something into like a, a, a craft from like a circular object to like flattening out. And then there was a being that uh, came right up from the top and, and then came down. Now I've talked to uh, one of the most compelling people I talked to 
uh, was Francis Cheramuda. Um, he's in, I'm trying to remember where he's, he's at now. He's, he's um, somewhere, um, Madagascar, I think that's where he is. Uh, I spoke with him about it and his story about what he saw. They all saw these beings. Uh, uh, there, it seems like there were more, there was maybe up to three of them. And he describes this thing as like skipping along, like darting in and out of reality and going towards a pool and just like pop, 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 going like that. Um, and it, it's just a, such a bizarre thing. But um, he himself, he did not have the telepathic message. But it, what's really incredible about that is, you know, these children, they're sort of isolated. They had, they weren't watching like TV. No one had a TV uh, and they were, weren't, weren't watching the Twilight Zone or anything like that. They all basically had the same story. And the best part of that whole incident, uh, well, one of the best parts is the teacher told them right away, okay, everyone draw, draw what you saw. And they all did. They went, they went right to work um, and started drawing these pictures of the beings and the craft and all that. And uh, they all had the, you know, large almond shaped eyes. Um, and then John Mack, a few weeks later, John, well, there was first, it was a BBC reporter that came and took a lot of interviews. Then child psycho psychiatrist, John Mack, Harvard trained, Harvard professor showed up. He knew exactly how to talk to children, make eye contact at their level. It was very gentle in his words uh, and non-leading. He just got them to speak, feel comfortable and speak. And if those videos used to be up on YouTube, and I'm not sure what happened to them, maybe the licensing or from the John Mack Foundation or whatever, they were pulled or something. But those interviews are so compelling for those uh, children and, and what they saw. And um, I think one of the things that is kind of scary was one of the girls like was so afraid of why, why are they here? What do they want? You know, it's kind of bone chilling when you listen to them talk about it. But um, I think that, in my opinion, that that's the case when after I watched all those interviews and and looked into it deeply, um, I think that's myself. That is the most compelling case and really turned the corner for me um, to realize that there's really something to this, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible that that teacher said immediately draw. What yes, it was so important. Yeah. And John Mack was just so compassionate. It is so much harder now for any young person to be kept away from images of aliens and UFOs. And, and I mean, I certainly grew yeah. up with it. So whenever you have a case like that, where people really weren't exposed to that kind of imagery, it's so much more compelling. Um, so, Katie, you said a minute ago that it kind of took you a little while to come around, you know, to the idea that this could all be real. I feel in mm -hmm. a way I'm, I'm almost the opposite in that I just kind of bought everything and everything was ET, everything was from outer space. And, and I have had to really educate myself on the possibility that the government is involved in all of this. Um, how do you feel, Martin, about the idea that government can be staging abductions and contact? Because we do hear a lot of people that have had abduction situations where they're like, and then there was this one like military looking person there. And that, yeah, I mean, it's just like, whoa, what? And, and I'll just throw this out there too. A lot of people will say, you know, it's government if it's a really negative experience and it's really ET if it's a really positive experience. I'm not sure it's that simple, but I just kind of want to throw that out there and let you run with all that for a minute. 
Yeah, I, I'm not, I really don't have much of an opinion on that because I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that. However, I have heard of the aspect of that in the cattle mutilations. There may be a government or some type of military uh, component to that, uh, you know, talking to Chris O'Brien over the years. And uh, I, so, uh, but I, I'm not sure, I don't understand why the military would do that, but, um, you know, I'd like to hear more thoughts on it. And, you know, I, I, I'm definitely open-minded to, uh, to learn more about it, but I, I, I don't really think, um, I don't really foresee the military involved in the abduction part of it myself. Well, can I just follow up really quickly? I think sure. some people would argue that they, if they ever, well, this is kind of going down a whole other avenue, but if they ever, let's say, wanted to do like a false flag event or anything like that, that if they can somehow control this narrative in any way that they would get involved and try to do it, at least experiment with how believable this abduction thing is, that they can control it. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, that 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 would make sense as far as I, I do believe that uh, they would like to control the narrative also on the UFO and UFOs in general. So yeah, I understand that. Yeah, definitely makes a lot of sense there, and and I think the government plays a little bit parts in in certain things. Um, I want to take you back because I saw you mention something about acoustic waves when we were talking about the Havana syndrome. And I'm really still no, I'm no, I think you're on the money on some stuff because back in the 1950s, the Russians developed microwaves to actually harm human beings. They actually harmed a diplomat in Russia uh, with microwaves as they beamed it toward an American embassy. And that weaponry has been developed. We've done it with Project Pandora. We've done the same thing. And there's been a lot of studies about brainwaves and how to manipulate brainwaves and how to manipulate mind control. We all know that it's all been there. But my question to you is abductees are being harmed. There's no question about that because the U.S. government is looking into it. Uh, Dr. Gary Nolan has come out and, and, and talked about it. Lou Alzando has come out and talked about it. We know pilots have had side effects after their encounters with UFOs. Tell me your theory about acoustic waves, and I'm going to throw this wrench into it. What do you think about maybe telepathic messages being harmful, that they just, when they actually try to talk to us, that they can actually uh, hurt us by that? Hmm. Well, I think that if if they wanted to hurt us, um, they could definitely do that very easily. You know, I mean, if you think about if they are here from wherever they're from, they're probably highly intelligent, much higher than we are. So, um, you know, I, I think they could melt our brain basically <laughs> if they wanted to. Uh, as far as the manipulation, um, um, I do think there is some of that. I mean, when you talk to people about their experience, a lot of times they'll say, you know, uh, crazy things like, um, yeah, we, uh, well, one guy I interviewed had an amazing story where he, you know, all these people on I-95 um, saw this craft and then it came right over the car and looking down on them and he's looking up and all of a sudden he's, 
here's this telepathic message. Uh, don't worry, we're just observing you. And then this thing shoots off, and it's an amazing story. His story was absolutely amazing. Thing shoots off. They watch it take off. He turns to his girlfriend, and he says, let's go get an ice cream. <laughs> so they, all these cars are on the side of the road with him. They all pulled over to watch what was going on on 995. They all get off on the first exit. They all go into the Howard Johnson's. Um, I don't know if they all got ice cream, but every single car pulled into that parking lot and they all got out and were walking like zombies toward the um, Howard Johnson's. Well, we wow. definitely know they can manipulate our, our brains and manipulate our thoughts because they put screen memories in and things of that nature. The question is, is what's harming these abductees after some of their experiences? Why do some abductees do not get harmed? And why do some abductees actually come out with sometimes, you know, very circle, very serious physical injuries? Yeah, no idea. No mm -hmm. idea. And, you know, maybe if you play devil's advocate, maybe it's another species that's not so harmless that is uh, looking a species from wherever that is doing experiments that are you know are careless and, and harmful um and then maybe some aren't you know uh i have no I have no idea it's all speculation really hmm. interesting um so martin what do you i'm going to switch gears again um what do you make of you know the the news media and the navy not so much the air force as a whole other topic but the navy coming out um in doing this you know they're talking about uaps and you know this threat and why is this coming out now do you have any thoughts and feelings about that why this is becoming mainstream topic well i i just to let you know i had one of my i think it is my most downloaded video um ever was uh, i had i had just happened to had Stanton Friedman and Kathleen Martin booked the very week that that came out in December 2017, that mm -hmm. Pentagon story came out. And one of the very first things that Stanton said was, why now? Why yeah. is this happening now? And yeah, that's a really good question. Why, why all of a sudden is the Navy comfortable with talking about this? And, um, you know, it's really a puzzle um, and I'm really glad that, you know, things are moving forward. As a matter of fact, um, I feel much more comfortable being out doing my job as a fine arts appraiser and not being embarrassed that I do a show on UFOs. You know, it's I've actually uh, talked about it with a few clients um, that seemed I seem to be comfortable enough to talk to them about it and, you know, to get their opinion. And, you know, uh, that's another thing. I know I'm straying away from the, the uh, question, but I love when uh, I talk to someone like when I'm out and about and all of a sudden they said, oh, yeah, my uncle has had this happen and tell me this great story. I love when that happens. Going back, though, to why the Navy is so involved, um, I, I think that, you know, there's a threat, uh, a possible threat, and that's why maybe they're, they're much more uh, bold about saying there's something going on with these UAPs. They have new equipment now that maybe spots them when other equipment never did before. Maybe they were there all along 
and maybe they're just seeing them now with the new, um, you know, the, the new type of technologies they have. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but mm -hmm. um, I think it's definitely a step uh, forward. And, you know, there's people like Lou Elizondo and other, you know, Chris Mellon and people like that that have actually helped move the needle forward in this. And I think it's great. Yeah. Weren't you one of the first people to interview Chris Mellon? I was the first one, yes. And I also got him on. I He and I were talking all the time right after the interview. And I said, hey, would you like to be on Coast to Coast? And so I connected him to George Knapp. And, you know, he went on Coast to Coast for the first time there. So, yeah. Um, Chris is very intelligent. Uh, when he first was looking into this, he was uh, talking to me all the time. And, and now we just occasionally will send an email back and forth. But he's done a lot of really a lot of good out there. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, you know, talking about why now with the Navy and everything, I just wonder if if they're taking just everyday people's lead on this. I mean, I, I keep saying, you know, us normal humans, non-government <laughs> people, non-military people, um, that ultimately we are the disclosure. I mean, you can't shut all of us up. We have cell phones. We're doing podcasts. You know, we're we're really moving this thing forward. And at some point it would be ridiculous if they didn't at least come out and go, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> we're sort of paying attention to this. Maybe they would or wouldn't, you know, if, if we weren't kind of out front and leading it. Do you have any thoughts on that? I just really believe the power is, you know, in the people. Yes. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was on uh, the unidentified celebrity, celebrity review with uh, Lewis, um, out in California. And he was this, he did this uh, big phone home. I don't know if you heard when that was happening, but he was really pushing everyone to call um, their congressmen, senators, and really push this thing forward. Uh, he did a great job as a newbie. Um, he had just started and, and went full hog on that. And um, so I, I do think it is the voice of, of many that will move this forward. And you know, you hear people like Neil deGrasse Tyson say, well, why is it only the military seeing UFOs? And, you know, he, he's, it's no. all theater. It's all theater. But um, because that's not true at all. No. Um, no. But, um, you know, there's a lot of there has been for years, you know, the preliminary report that came out last June, um, you know, was sort of lame, but at least they admitted that there was only one case that they could solve and the ones they looked into. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's uh, it's all of us together that that move this forward. Yeah, I just, I just want to comment on, on the, the Navy thing. Why not the Air Force? You haven't heard a peep out of the Air Force, Martin. I know. I know. I've, I've heard so many people say the same thing. You know, even the Army got involved. <laughs> Yeah, the, but, the Army's involved. Uh, I heard something from Space Force a little bit, but nothing from the U.S. Air Force, nothing at all. And, you know, maybe that will change, I would think, you know, because there's always been a little bit of a, a competition between the Navy pilots and the Air Force pilots. So, uh, you know, and David Fravor, I mean, I'd love to hear his story and Alex Dietrich. Um, I've tried to get both of them on the, on the show, and that's... You know, they're um, hopefully Alex eventually, but uh, their stories are just so compelling. And I, I think there are probably a lot of Air Force sightings, and maybe we'll learn more about that as time goes on. I think 
eventually a lot of those things will come out. I, I, I hope so, because yeah. I think, and that's my question to you, Martin. What about disclosure? What do you think is going to happen with disclosure? Well, like I think Lou Elizondo said, well, haven't we had it? Isn't this it? You know, <laughs> um, and I, I don't, I don't think, well, a couple of thoughts on that. I, I don't think we're ever going to hear, no, possibly, but I don't think we'll ever hear who was ever the president at the time is going to actually have, you know, a fireside chat and say, uh, by the way, uh, we are being visited by aliens. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that's ever going to, going to happen. I think the evidence would have to be so compelling that it's just going to, um, you know, perpetuate. In other words, like a Phoenix Lights type sighting, but, you know, maybe nationwide or something like that. When it's undeniable, um, I think that's the only way there'll be um, full acceptance. I don't know if you want to call that disclosure, uh, because I don't really know if the government really knows that much more than we do. So what they have to disclose is maybe that they may have a little bit more knowledge, but they may be clueless as we are what exactly is going on. So you don't buy the things that UFO aliens have been working with governments or Thor has been at the Pentagon and, and stories like that. I, I don't no. catch that either. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not into that uh, kind of stuff. But I do believe that the Pentagon, I think, is working frantically to try to find out what the hell is going on with this now, especially that they've actually reported that people have been injured with it. Yeah. No, I think... I think they definitely are looking into it. And I think they have been, and I, I don't think they've ever stopped looking into it myself because there's just little hints of that, you know, going all the way through, you know, after project blue book ended, there were still things going on and probably project blue book did not get all the best cases either. You know, maybe they went to another level somewhere that we don't know about. And I remember, you know, talking about Chris Mellon when he was on, I said, how, could these things be kept secret um, from, say, a president? And he said, well, if a president asked a question, like if a president said, all right, I want to know everything there is to know about extraterrestrial, the government, whoever knows is in the know, would have to tell him what they know. Um, so the way around that is to get it into the private um, venue. So privatize it somehow, get that information um, out of the government itself. And so there may be a possibility of something like that as well. I don't know. Right. You, you can't foil those documents. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. I no hearings, what... no congressional hearings or anything. Nope. I want to know what Bob Bigelow knows. So, so, so somebody that has been um, interviewing and investigating and researching this phenomenon for so long now, um, what do you make of, or do you see this change in reports and sightings? Like, like for me, the seventies is sort of this cool decade, but we have reports of like these craft coming in and sucking power out of our power lines, you know, and, you know, they would like in the seventies, you have more land landed craft and beans and their suits and their emblems and all that. And then that kind of shifts in the eighties and nineties. Do you recognize a pattern in that? And what do you think that's all about? <laughs> Yeah, there, there seems to be some type of pattern. And I've jokingly said something like, oh, we have, there's new models. Like now it's the triangle model. 
you yeah. know, um, it used to be like the one I saw, the saucer. Um, and so the shapes intrigue me. Um, the encounters themselves, you know, I, I haven't seen really uh, the pattern as much as what you're talking about. But, you know, if you really look into cases uh, chronologically, I'm sure that you're probably making total sense in what you're saying. Um, so I do think there's there is definitely there definitely seems to be some type of patterns exactly how and why they are or you know um if they are extraterrestrial are we being visited by you know one area of the galaxy and then <laughs> another area or another uh planet or associated planets or whatever uh beings um uh you know it's really and are they coming from space are they coming through space are they manipulating time. I think there's all types of uh, possibilities there. And yeah. I think there's definitely a time element into uh, a lot of what people are seeing as well. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I've got so many questions. Um, yeah, I, I wonder, like, is their tech changing as well? I mean, it's reasonable to think, you know, our tech is always changing. Maybe theirs is too. Or do we just see what we expect to see? I remember asking Kathleen Martin, like, well, I feel like the shapes of the craft change, you know, like now triangles are more popular and all that. And she's like, well, Kenneth Arnold saw, what was it, like a boomerang shape? Like they weren't necessarily even saucers then. It is interesting. I, I feel like maybe there's different beings piloting these different shapes like like truly like from a different place you know a completely different being in the triangle versus the saucers I, I i don't know if i'll ever find that out but that's kind of what my gut tells me um do you have any feel for how many different kinds could be visiting us hmm well i know uh what did i hear the heinz 57 yeah <laughs> there's a number 57 going out there uh no uh you know i mean i've heard i have, have talked to people that you know, think there's the rip, uh, reptilians, the greys, the uh, the Nordics, the, you know, there's all, all, all different things that people are claiming that they have experienced. Um, you know, the Pascagoula incident, they're very strange beings. Uh, um, Hickson said that they had like these carrot type appendages around their head. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, they're such bizarre. Uh, Calvin Parker, uh, did not remember that in particular. Um, so um, like you said, or one of you said earlier, you know, maybe two, two different people side by side, see different things, yeah. you know, which is another bizarre aspect. And so that might be like a manipulation of your mind, uh, you know, screen memory or whatever. So I, I know I kind of strayed away from the question. Do you want to get me back on track? <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah. I, I, I threw a lot of different things at you, but just, you know, how many different kinds? I mean, yeah, I would say there's kind of like the top three, you know, like you said, the Nordics and the greys and the reptilians, but then there are all these other weird ones that show up in people's stories. And you're like, God, I, that almost sounds like a, you know, cross between a couple different ones. And, and then I do wonder how much the human brain, if you're seeing something that you just simply can't comprehend, if you're not going to plug things into it. I, I heard a story once from a, a young guy who said, this is going to sound crazy, but there was an alien in my room when I was a kid, but it, it looked like, I can't remember. It was some scary movie like Chucky or something weird, you know, like it made no sense what I thought, but that's what your young child brain had to see because you couldn't make sense of what you were seeing. So like, how do we even begin to figure out how many different kinds there are outside of the kind of few basics that we hear all the time, when maybe we just, we can't comprehend what we're seeing. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. So, Martin, what do you think of AI in these beings? Um, you know, these I on the ranch, there's these strange tube looking guys that were reported out here in Colorado. And I thought, AI, do you think that there's beings out there trying to stop us from merging in with AI? Are, are there beings that come down here that are AI and mechanical? I know we hear that a lot. What, what are your feelings on on that whole topic? Well, back years ago when I, I had Seth Shostak from the SETI program on my show, um, he thought that if we are being visited, um, his speculation is that it was AI. You know, that yeah. was the thing he came up with um, because nothing else could survive uh, for that many years in, you know, in time to travel across um, from, you know, even the nearest stars, you know, four and a half light years away, which would take uh, forever um, to you know, to travel the distances. Um, and I remember saying to him something like, maybe they, whoever it is, figured out something in physics that we just haven't figured out yet. And, you know, whenever I was like debating him, he always, he had some, he was pretty good at it. <laughs> but uh, um, so um, I, I'm not really sure, you know, um, exactly what to think about all that, really. Yeah. You said that you had information about Pascalula, uh, Pascalula encounter. Is there something else you want to add to that, Martin? Because oh, I know you uh, had just, a good story about that. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, so um, I had this great blogger years ago. Uh, I don't know, back in 2013 or 14. And he wrote um, a blog about the Pascagoula incident. So um, one day I get this email and the email address is phishing something and and then it says uh, that that was a really good article and very accurate. And thank you. And then he signs it Calvin. So I wrote back to him. I said, this wouldn't be Calvin Parker, would it? Now, Calvin hadn't done an interview for like 30 years. So I said, uh, you know, I wrote it back and he said, yes, it's uh, Calvin Parker. And I said, oh, my God, would you be willing to be on my show? And he said, sure. So he was on my show and a couple of things happened. Um it, it was great, by the way. He's such a kind gentleman. So he's on the show. He's telling his story. It was fantastic. And um, then a while later, after he did that, I got this email. And this makes work, this doing my show worth it alone. I get this email from someone. And they said, is there any way you can pass my email along to Calvin? And I said, sure, because I'll always do that. I never give out someone's email address, but I'll certainly uh, pass an email along to someone. Ended up being an estranged daughter that he hadn't talked to forever. And they they were talking every day and, and loving each other. And it was the most wonderful thing. So that that really made it really worth it um, <laughs> for doing the show. Um, but so then one day I had uh, I was talking to Calvin and he said he was thinking about doing a book. So I connected him with Philip Mantle, and boy, has that ever gone really good for both of them. Yeah. Um, the books have sold all over the world and in different languages, and Calvin's been in the spotlight. Um, he doesn't really want to be in the spotlight, but um, he has been in the spotlight ever since, and, and there's uh, a movie being done about him. These other witnesses have come forward. So he came out of you know 30 years of retirement, and uh, on my show, and, and it's been going really, really well for him. He's had some health issues, 
Yes. But he's he's still hanging in there, right? Uh, we're in touch uh, quite often, actually. Yeah, I've talked That's to Calvin awesome. several times, and he's told me about his encounters. And basically, I remember him telling me that one of the aliens that he encountered was a female. He said, "Right, Chris, I'll tell you, if I had a few beers in me, I would have asked her out." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he talks I mean, about that. He's a but he that that also that particular being also put his her fingers down his throat. Yeah. And like choked him, and, and it was bleeding, and and it was very painful. Yeah, he, he did say it was a, a. The others were very ugly, and this one was very attractive, according to him. Yeah, he calls the the one that threw him <laughs> off the ship the big ugly. The big, big ugly grabbed hold of me, threw me right off the ship. Yeah, <laughs> the, that's such a bizarre incident. And that was, let's see, that was 1973, I believe, October 1973. So that's going way back. Amazing. Mm -hmm. How many years yeah. ago? And yeah, yeah, a great case. I th I think that one is uh, one of the the big ones myself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, all the this time you've been doing the podcast and and everything. Have you ever had anybody approach you to tell you not to talk about anything or kind of push you to talk about certain things? You know, MUFON kind of gets that rap sometimes where you know we're kind of being influenced to to give out disinformation or whatever have you ever had that happen to you personally I, I haven't no but i i have had people on that have been told that type of thing you know not for to keep quiet about it you know interesting yeah um, but i've never had anyone know i've had weird things happen like the very first time i had lou elizondo i had the weirdest thing happen i have a studio all set up uh i had at that time a real professional system and i went to have him on live and nothing worked nothing and so i finally <laughs> um uh, he had this schedule everything melted down so it's just a bizarre thing and I, you know i mean people were joking saying oh yeah that's the government they're shutting it down um but no i don't uh i don't think you know that was just jokingly i don't think there's ever been any type of threat but i did have someone on um quite a while ago who's since passed away i'm trying to remember who it is but they had a situation where they were threatened at one time. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. And just to be clear, like MUFON, I, I mean, I've been MUFON for what, since 2012. I've never had anybody tell me to say or do anything. So I, yeah. that's not true. Um, have you ever had, Amanda wanted to ask this, um, our co-producer, have you ever had a guest on that hasn't believed or did not believe? And how did you handle that? What do you mean not believe them? Like Can, believe in the phenomenon, believe in UFOs or anything like that. Oh, I've had, like, I've had, a, I like to interview skeptics. I've had a number yeah. of skeptics on. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Michael Shermer, uh, my friend got Michael Shermer on. Um, and I've had um, uh, uh, Seth Shostak, as I mentioned, I've had him on a couple of times and I've had a few other skeptics. I do like having them. Um, oh, cool. Have you ever uh, had somebody on that you thought I'm not buying this? Like I actually, <laughs> I actually, I actually did the big no-no that you never do. And, uh, I actually told a guy, I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to have to stop the show right now. And I booted him off and, oh. uh, I took I remember calls for the rest show. of the show. Yeah. That, that got a lot of, that got, got around a bit. Yeah, it did. But yeah. you were smart. You did the right thing by doing that. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I jumped there, but I, I actually was listening to that show, Martin, when you said, I'm sorry, we have to stop it right now. This is, you know, you basically said this is out of control and, you know, yeah. you stopped it. And I thought that was a sign of a, a great professional. 
to be able to do that and, and courage, you know, because a lot of podcasts would never have done that. And he was on coast to coast like a week later. Uh -oh. figure. Yeah. <laughs> well, and let's face it, there are some people that will perpetuate a hoax and, and just look for attention. I find almost all of the time, though, these people are not seeking the spotlight. They're usually pretty traumatized by their experience and they, yes. have, they have to talk about it. They feel compelled to talk about it, sometimes very much to their own detriment. Um, but uh, I let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about consciousness, because so many people when when they have contact of any kind, I mean, their whole life is going to be different and they end up really going uh, to a much deeper level. And I'm just wondering how much you've experienced that with people that you've spoken to over the years. I've tried to understand that more. You know, I've talked to a number of people that kind of dive into the consciousness part of this. And no matter how much I try to try to get it totally explained to me by um, someone that basically wrote a book on it, um, I don't really get that aspect of it. And I, I it, it, it uh, I, I don't really follow that part of it. And I know I hear people talk about it all the time. I just don't quite understand um, how, what they mean by that, because it seems to have more than one meaning. So if you can define a particular sure. meaning of that, maybe I can follow up. Well, I think it can be kind of an existential crisis. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're not alone. Everything that I've been told my whole life is not true. This reality is not what I thought it was. What? So what am I? What's my role here? I mean, I think it's it's hard for most people to have contact and not just go into that much deeper place and then start to go, well, why am I on this planet? I must have a purpose. And I even wonder sometimes if ET, whatever ET is, isn't guiding that, you know, if they want us to clean up the planet or be more compassionate, whatever. Maybe it's partly that we wake up because we're like, okay, what does this life mean? And maybe we're also being manipulated a tiny bit. Yeah. I, sometimes I wonder if we're an experiment yeah. and just being like a Petri dish, just being observed, you know, um, we're not doing too well. <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> you think we're getting a, a D in this class? Yeah. A D minus. A D, and, D minus in life. Yeah. But you, but you can understand why somebody would all of a sudden their whole life would change. Just going to work and just yes. doing simple everyday things. It's just not that simple anymore. You're looking at the world with a whole new set of Well, I, I've said many times on my show that if I was actually being abducted, like if things were going on with me, what people claim, I could not function in society. I just wouldn't be able to. I would be curled up in bed somewhere and, and I just wouldn't be able to handle it. So I don't, you know, I give those people kudos um, if they are act, actually, actually out there and trying to solve what's going on and, and can function, because I don't know how anyone can function if that's really what's going on. I, I, I'll just say this quickly and then I'll shut up because I know I'm so chatty tonight. I'm probably driving people nuts, but I, I think it's maybe a little bit like grief. If, if you think about it ahead of time, like if this happened to me, I would not be able to function. And yet somehow you do. Somehow you do get on with it and find a way to just keep existing in your reality. You just have two very different things going on. You have your normal, I have to go clock in at work life. And then you come home and you're like, and I'm an abductee. <laughs> I mean, you, you're still, your heart's still going to beat. You're still going to breathe. You have to take care of your family. So I think you would get on with it. You, you'd have to. Yeah. And I'm going to shut up now. Chris, no, you want to go I mean, <laughs> Obviously people do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you go about, you know, you have this thing that 
you keep it. A lot of people keep it secret. There's a lot of ductees who never told anybody because they go, I can't go to my doctor with this. I can't go to my priest. I can't go to anybody. And, you know, they kind of come out and say, hey, listen, something really strange has happened to me. And, you know, who do I go to talk to about this? And, you know, that's one of the reasons why MUFON has an experience or research team so they can, you know, at least be able to talk to somebody about it. And most of those people in the ERT are abductees. So, I mean, it's sort of like a, a peer group that they're able to do. Martin, I, I got a question for you because I don't know a lot about it, but I want to ask you, what do you know about my lab? That, that word is starting to pop around a lot. And yeah. I'm not a big fan of it, but I don't know much about it. So I'm asking the expert, what do you know about my lab and the whole my lab theory? Let me Google that. Okay. <laughs> How's that for your answer? That's, uh, that's the best answer there is. <laughs> well, we did sort of touch on that earlier of just if the government is, uh, you know, involved in creating a lot of this stuff, right? That's yeah. true. No, I haven't looked into that at all. I'll be right honest with you. All right. Well, let me throw you another one. The Nimitz and the Tic Tic Tac. What do you think of the Nimitz and the Tic Tac? Oh, I think that's, you know, that's one of the, the, most compelling cases. It's got so much, there's so much data involved in that. Uh, besides the eyewitnesses, I, I think that is one of the top ones. I'm really glad that came out. Um, it's such an interesting, uh, you know, thing that happened to them and so bizarre. Kevin Day has, uh, was on early on this show uh, and I've, I've had uh, on my show that is, and I've had a number of people that were involved in that. And I think it's really interesting that the data bricks, what they call them, were confiscated. You know, there someone shows up on the uh, Roosevelt, uh, I'm sorry, on the, uh, on the Princeton and takes the data bricks, you know, someone in uh, like Air Force uniform. Uh, what was that about? You know, so it really makes you wonder what is going on, you know, and how much do the military, uh, how much involvement does the military have in looking into these things, you know? So, uh, you know, an Air Force, uh, someone in an Air Force uniform shows up on a Navy vessel and takes the data bricks. That, that is one yeah. of the strangest parts of that, I think. Yep. I think the Air Force has so much to hide, and I think they've been involved, um, you know, since, well, the development of the Air Force was right after Roswell, correct? After, right after 1947. Yeah. It's called um, the Army Air Force at first. Army Air yeah. Force, yeah. So I think they're deep in it, and I think they are, are not coming forward because I think they had their hands in some pretty black, dark projects, and they don't want any liability. That's my personal take on it. So Well, they'd have a lot, of, a lot of explaining to do. They have a lot of explaining to do. You said it perfectly. A lot of explaining. What do you? A lot of explaining. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, Martin, what do you think of the future of ufology and research and our, you know, the old school ways we used to go about doing things? We have this new generation coming up, and they're out there front and center doing their kind of thing, and I kind of see the younger crowd and the older crowd. I don't really see see us working together much. Well, how do you see the future of ufology going? Oh, I see where you're going with that. Well, yeah. I think, you know, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, the more technology we get, the more technology we get to fool people too. CGI yeah. is mm -hmm. going to, you know, get 
more and more convincing as time goes on. Um, you know, if, if you can hold it on your iPhone, then you have something. And I think, uh, you know, there's, um, I think there's an app you can get now. I was told about it where there's, there's someone um, that has this program set up where they have like um, cameras in different locations, things like that. So I, I think technology is going to get the certain types of technology will get more younger people involved in it. And I think there is, um, there are some younger people that are, uh, I, I was kind of along with what you're saying. I, I said something very similar to that when I had Michael Masters on and he says, no, I disagree totally. There's a lot of young people that are getting involved in this ever since um, 2017. And so I looked into it and, you know, he's right. There are mm -hmm. uh, people starting podcasts and, you know, that have interests in it and things like that. So I think, um, I think it's a good thing. I think the more yeah. we can get people involved, you know, generationally, uh, the better off we are and, you know, to keep moving forward. And I also think the technology is getting better for us to find things, but I don't know if it's going to be uh, whether we're going to be able to detect exactly what we're looking at. I don't know how long that will take. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. Like you said, CGI looks so real and maybe, maybe real footage is going to look fake to us at this point. You know, we've come so far with our technology. Um, well, yeah, just to make something fake look real. We've, Oh my gosh, the show's gone fast. We got like three, yeah, we got like three minutes left. I, I just want to back up and just give you kudos for saying something earlier. Cause I say this all the time. If somebody in this field says, here's 100% what is happening and anybody that tries to tell you different is wrong, run. I don't trust yeah. that at all because this is mm -hmm. such a huge phenomena and there's so many moving pieces. And, and we come back to this a lot on this show that human perception is something that you always have to factor into. And so I just, I just give you a lot of credit. You've been at this a long time. You could easily just sit here and say, here's what's going on here, you know, but you don't, you say, let's keep an open mind. And I think we need more of that. And I think that will help draw a lot of young people in because it's teaching them to also be really critical thinkers and letting them feel like their opinions are welcome. We need that new fresh right. energy, new thoughts, right? That's right. right. Thinking outside of the box, someone's new, you know, opinion. Um, maybe they can give us something that they, we could not think of. Like, oh, yeah, that might be a really good idea. You know, whatever whatever the thoughts are. Yeah, because so, yeah. our opinions can just, it's like blinders after a while. You get Box so stuck on an idea. Yeah, and then you just yep. can't even see a different possibility. And I still think the phenomenon has the right to change. I mean, even if we got all the answers tomorrow, a year from now, it could be like, oh, now we got this thrown in. Yeah. Psych, yeah. you thought you knew what was going on. So just, I don't know, just keep an open mind, people. And, and I love that you do that. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I think we know very little about what's actually going on around us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very little. Yep, and uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And there's so many offshoots to this, you know, phenomenon that we you can go in different directions from abductions to sightings to all kinds of different theories of what they could be interdimensional, you know, under the water, into caves. I mean, yes. we we just scratched the surface, Martin. Right. That's right. I believe you're right. Yeah, that's true. So, Martin, uh, what do you have going on? Do you want to talk a little bit about remind us about your podcast, your YouTube channel? Are you going to be at any events later this summer where anybody can hang out and see you? What's what do you got going on? Well, um, yes, I, I don't have any events. Well, I'm going to be at 
Pine Bush that's coming up oh, awesome. um, June 3rd and 4th over at Pine Bush, New York. I'm going to be there and I'd love to meet with people there. Uh, so my show I have coming up next week, Chris uh, Leto. Um, he's a former F-16 pilot. The week after that, I'm going to be at James Fox's home in Vermont. I'm going to be filming uh, my show live there. And uh, so I have a lot of really great guests uh, booked. I'm all booked right into late June at this at this point. Some really interesting guests. And uh, anyway, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I love the mystery of this. It's what keeps me going. Yeah. You know, and uh, sure, I want it to be solved, but uh, I come back to it every week just because it's uh, it's such a, a, a mystery. And it's it's exciting and it makes life more full than it was before I looked into this topic. Yeah, I think we can all agree with that. I want to thank you so much, Martin, for being our guest tonight on the show. You're very thank welcome. Thank you, Katie Cook. Thank you, Chris DiPerno and Jerry and thank you, Martin. <laughs> and remember to um, check out MUFON. If you see anything, please report it. Keep looking up. And we will see you all back next Tuesday with our special guest, Earl Gray Anderson. Can't wait to have him on. So we will see you all next week. Thank you all. Bye. 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 <laughs>